Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole Podcast. I'm Dan Krull for the editor of Hammy End. I'm supposed to have two people joining me, but only one of them has showed up. So I guess I should say thank you for coming. Oscar Bloom, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Uh, excellent. I hope you enjoyed the wonderful weekend of uh, Serbianness. We'll get on to that a bit later because you have no Serbians to talk about. In this podcast, I'm sure you'll find a way. Um, we're waiting uh, for Alan Druitt, but we can't really wait any longer uh, for Alan Druitt. So we're going to get going. I don't know where he is, Oscar. And given that he bailed on us on the preview, I, you know, the listeners can suggest on Twitter. I think he's avoiding me. You? What did you do to him? I don't know, but it's a pattern I'm seeing now. Well, it's just late. I think we need to buy my new watch. Um, you know, if, if this was a football match, he'd be sent off for delaying the uh, I don't know, the start of the game, probably. Um, let's not let's not disappear down that side that uh tangent. But uh, the listeners can suggest an appropriate punishment for Mr. Druitt. Our Twitter handles are available, and uh, you can write in with what that punishment should be. Uh, I was going to ask him how much he enjoyed Paul Koncheski being presented with the Forever Fulham Award. That will have to wait for a little bit later in the podcast. Um, if you know, you know, and, and you may find out a little bit later on. So, Oscar, we beat Luton 1-0 on Saturday, but we had to work hard for it. What were your What's your assessment of, of the performance? Honestly, I don't. I don't think this is dire as some people like to make out on Twitter. But at the same time, it's not really a a performance I was particularly enthused by. I was very, very, very happy with the performances of a couple of players, you know, particularly Polinia and Iwobi, as well as Scania, to be honest. Although he lacked the pace that Robinson has, I still thought he did really, really well. And he offers a different kind of fullback, which I think is something the squad generally has missed you know having different kinds of options in the same position rather than just the first team player and the backup which is what we sort of predominantly had last season you know for example you've got Lukic and Reed you know one's clearly better than the other sure but they three both minutes, got a different... and he's gone to Sasa Lukic well done if you had three they... sweepstakes <laughs> you've won but um they offer different kinds of um they offer different they offer different play styles. I think Luton didn't play badly per se, but they played very, 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 very negative. And I don't think that'll put them in good stead for the rest of the season. Let's just I overall think that then. Sorry, mate. So yeah, this yeah. is the interesting thing about about this game. So Fulham had seventy seven point eight percent of the possession which since Opta started measuring possession in the Premier League in 2003-04 is the highest uh, Fulham have ever had in a Premier League game. Um, it's also the highest Fulham have ever had in a Premier League game full stop, but the metric was slightly different when the BBC were doing it and the Premier League were doing it themselves. Um, so that it's not completely comparable. But the thing about this is, Luton came with a plan. They played that 5-3-2 or 5-4-1 when we had the ball. They were quite defensive, but they probably had the better chances until the Fulham scored. And 
they created enough chances to have scored a goal themselves. So were we lucky to register our first clean sheet in nine home games? Or uh, uh, did we fully deserve the victory? I would say this was a very Fulham game if we would have lost. Like this is a very it's a very stereotypical game that we would have lost if we did. But I don't think we didn't deserve to win. Although they had good chances, that was mainly because we just made some basic errors when defending. And it was a couple of but it was I'm sure I know they had the better chance overall. But with 70, what was it, 78 or was it 73% possession? One or the other, I forgot. 77, it, yeah. 77, 77, yeah, yeah. 77% possession. You know, that that just shows which side is dominating, that in itself. I don't think it I don't think it was unfair that we won. I think Luton stuck to their game plan because the point of their game plan is that you just hit them on the counter and then defend and defend and defend the entire game. That is their plan. And the point of that plan is you get some really good chances, which hopefully you finish. And they didn't finish it because, for whatever reason, they just didn't finish. Them. Well, they didn't have the two well, Fulham, ex-Fulham centre-forwards on the pitch until late on. But I would yeah. ask you a different question. Would Luton have been better served going for it a bit earlier? Because I was a bit more worried once it was 1-0. I did think Jacob Brown hits the post with a header um, in the first half that it, where he probably should have scored. Carlton Morris miss, slashes one into the side netting. It's a very presentable chance. And I don't know how Amari Bell picked out Burnt Leno. It's like the ball had a magnet in it and went straight to Burnt Leno's chest at the start of the second half. <laughs> put it anywhere else. You'd have had a better view of that than me. Um, <laughs> you'd have put it anywhere else. It was a goal, no? Well, yeah, but you're saying they should go for it. I don't think that's... I don't think that's right because they gave us the best fight they could have, I think. I don't think they have necessarily... Maybe maybe for some of the weaker sides in the Prem that might be true. But against, you know... I'm not saying we're like a big six side or anything, but we're, for now anyway, a fairly decent side in the Prem. I don't... I don't think they have necessarily... And I know this will really, really annoy some losing fans. I don't think they have the quality to just go for it in in, in no, Maybe games, not, but right? it's a question of... That they need to. They, I, I thought they were competitive for long spells of this game, and they really can consider themselves a little bit unlucky not to have scored at the times where they had the most pressure. And it's a question of they need to get some points and quickly. You know, could they have been a bit more assertive at times? But um, let's get to the the pertinent point, which is you talked about having so much possession. We didn't do a lot with the possession. Close your eyes, whisper it quietly, and you could have imagined that Scott Parker was on the sideline. Or is that really unfair, Oscar? I don't think that's unfair at all, to be honest. But I think that was part of the way Luton played, you know, with the low block and stuff like that. I don't I think that was by design. I think partly we played badly, but partly it was just Luton's tactics. And let's talk about some of the key talking points um following the game. Um, so I did enjoy the statistic that, well, obviously we talked about getting a clean sheet, our first home clean sheet since February in the league when we beat Nottingham Forest 2-0. Um, but there'd been, there's been some criticism of the centre-backs. I particularly enjoyed Issa Diop's back pass to Burnt Leno 
Although it was much funnier watching it once, but then I would cleared it and watched it again. It was one of his 153 successful passes. According I don't to think it was, it's a pass, though. I think, well, it, well, was well, I think it's more of a shot. I was going to yeah, say, I think it's more of a shot. probably one of Luton's more dangerous shots of the whole afternoon. Um, but that is the highest number of passes in the Premier League this season. Um, and some of that passing contributes to Fulham's dominance of possession. But I thought I felt the front four that would be uh, let's get this right: Wilson, William, Pereira, and and Raúl Jiménez to begin with struggled really to impose themselves on the game. William is thirty four, which you seem to think is very old. Um, Sorry, I don't think it. It is very old. Uh, Pereira um, is coming back from a bit of an injury, and he looked off off the pace at times. And Wilson and Jiménez both played uh, internationally. Jiménez played for Mexico on Thursday morning. All of those things added together, and the fact that there were some new players in the in the lineup. You know, it's another game where we had lots of pretty passing in front of the opposition, but not much penetration in the box until your mate Carlos Vinicius came off the bench and scored within three minutes of replacing Jimenez. He's now got four goals in his last six league appearances, having managed only three and 32 prior to that. Um, We're going to have to get a little bit more ruthless in in, in the penalty area, but we're also going to have to create more chances, aren't we? Yeah, I think there are two big reasons why we didn't create a match on our side. The first reason is that we lacked Robinson, who I've had a look at, you know, some of these, like, um, analytical Twitter pages, like uh, the Cottage Tactica, for example, for example. They've, in the past, done some nice sort of, graphs information about how much Robinson actually drives their attack forward despite, you know, let's say criticism at his final ball. And I think we lacked that today. I think that was one of the reasons why. The second, I think, issue we had was Jimenez. And I know everyone's been so nice in how about him and how he's always improving and how I'm sure next game he'll get a goal. I don't see it. And to be honest, he's not particularly good and and I must say, I'm oh, a convert. I at some point. Go on. But I think there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is called Carlos Vinicius. And yes, I know in previous times I may have been slightly hypocritical, uh, but uh, we'll just. Slightly. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, previously, you sort of suggested he had more chance of hitting one of those boats that rode up and down the River Thames before the game on Saturday than the actual goal. Um, so let, let's, let's, I, I do like your revisionist history. I would just say it on Raul Jimenez. Um, we're very fickle as football fans. You know, someone, I remember Barry Hales taking an awful long time to score his first Fulham goal. And, you know, it's quite difficult to come into a team that's set up for Alexander Mitrovic when you're not Alexander Mitrovic, even if Jimenez seems to win a lot more headers more regularly than Mitrovic. He just hasn't quite got the confidence. And also, he didn't have a clear chance against Luton. Oh, he had that He had that header, which he should have scored. 
in the first half, I think it was like the 20th minute or something like that. It was, it was you know, not right at the start, but it wasn't like at the end either. It was somewhere in the middle of the first half. He had a really, really good header opportunity. He just let it go wide. Okay, not not the one where Tete headed it over. There, yeah, they, but he didn't have. What I'm saying is, he didn't have the sorts of chances. You can't castigate him for poor finishing. That, that, yeah, but that's not what that's not what my issue with him is. Right. My issue is that he constantly tries these flicks, these tricks, and none of it ever works. You know, he's really weak on the ball. Like every time he got the ball, a Luton player managed to muscle him off. And I'm sorry, that shouldn't happen every single time. You know, and yeah, those are my problems with him. I understand, but but you know, so I, I'm putting you in the camp of starting Vinny at Palace. Is that? Is yeah, that firmly, firmly, yes. Yeah, but also Vinny should have finished the chance uh, that Kenny Tete provided for him late on, rather than giving away a foul. Um, <laughs> so the the problem is that neither of those two, and certainly not. Um, uh, Rodrigo Munez are people who are going to score you 20 goals at the moment in the, in, the, in the Premier League. They're not suited to being the number nine. My point is our, our, our textbook number nine is um, currently claiming that, in Saudi Arabia. that Al Halal are the are on a part Real Madrid of Europe. Uh, with, with Real Madrid, and then it's good to go to a big team with a chance of winning trophies, and he toiled away at average sides in England. You know, people need to remember that Alexander gets well paid for his uh, promotion of the Saudi Arabian regime, uh, and take those comments with a hefty dollop of of salt. Um, let's talk about the midfield. And the man who, until recently, we were all fretting about seeing in a Bayern Munich shirt. He may still be in a Bayern Munich shirt um, in January. João Polina was exceptional. He won 11 duels uh, on Saturday, which took his total of successful duels. I'm not sure what a successful duel is. It's not with pistols at dawn. Um, he's won 308 duels since his debut in the Premier League last August, more than any other player in the top division. And he was right up for it from the beginning. We we don't really need to wax lyrical about Xao Polina because he just does it all time and time again with a sort of... He's made for English football, you know, getting your foot in there um, and making us a much nastier team to play against Oscar. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. I think the also the other thing I've noticed against Luton is that it's attacking play. That obviously is defensive midfield, his aim isn't attack, but I'm talking about progressive passes and things like that. That that aspect of him was was re- really shined in ways I haven't really seen before from him because it was always like his it was always his Passing and things like that was a bit mediocre, but it was more than made up for by the fact that he could, you know, defend the hell out of anyone. Um, but yeah, I think I genuinely think that you know we're starting to see a more developed player. Oh, he's Not, a, yeah. yeah, he's an exceptional player, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on. Um, you, you mentioned Timmy Castagne already, um. But it, I thought he had an excellent game and he'd rival Polina for, for man of the match. If 
Fulham were able to find him in those advanced positions because he made a lot of really good runs down the left flank. Um, having come in at very late notice on his weaker side for uh, Anthony Robinson. I, I think you were impressed, judging by some of your earlier comments about Castagna. Yeah, I thought, especially because I was right, I was right, I was on the same side as him in the first half, so I could really see, you know, it was 15 metres away from me. I could see very clearly of what he was trying to do. He was making, he was trying to make forward runs all the time, even though much of the time the team necessarily didn't pass it to him. He was always trying to make forward runs. He was always trying to get the ball to him. And when he did have the ball, he did he did actually do stuff with it, which I thought was great. And also I think I think he did like the pace that Robinson provides, but that's not necessarily everyone is going to, I think. There are very few teams yeah. faster than yeah. Robinson. Yeah. That's really it, I think. I think it's it would be unfair for us to say talk about that like it was a big negative but yeah I overall thought it was a really really good performance for him especially for a debut oh absolutely uh well a, a home debut a full debut yeah. well yeah um and then and let's talk about Marco uh, 100 games for Marco Silva uh, 50 wins which is exceptional for a Fulham manager 50 wins in uh uh 18 draws, 32 defeats, 31 clean sheets now, um, 190 goals for, 128 goals conceded. But for me, the interesting thing on Saturday was he didn't take too long to change it. He was very decisive. He got on uh, Vinny, obviously, who poached the goal, but also Alex Awobi, who added some dynamism and, and some spark to the midfield that had previously been lacking. Oscar. Yeah, I genuinely, I was so impressed with Iwobi. Iwobi, I'm not saying he was man of the match, but he was the one that stood out for me because he's the probably the player I was, he, not probably, he is the player I was most excited about from this transfer window. I genuinely think that uh, he has, he will have a lot to give to this side this season. I think he offers something that our other midfielders don't. Not in a bad way, I just think he offers something different. I think he's, and I've talked to some Everton fans and they all agree, you know, he's a fantastic player. He's got a really, really high work rate. The one complaint they did have was about his, you know, final product. So we'll wait and see about that. But I, I'm, you know, the future's bright for Iwobi and Fulham, I think, right at the moment. Yeah, and that was something I was going to mention. Harrison Reid, uh, speaking in the aftermath of the game, really positive about. Fulham's future, great to have Harrison Reid on a long-term contract, um, as we discussed on uh, on Thursday evening. And now, looking at the start of the season, it looks a lot better now. Seven points from five games. Um, we're up above our local rivals once more, up to ninth in the, in the table. It's still early, but... Yeah, we feel a little bit more comfortable about the season, even if we laboured in large part to get that win over Luton. You can see some positives, even if it wasn't uh, as convincing a win as we might have uh, hoped for. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think even if it wasn't the most convincing of wins, it's still a win. It's still three points. You know, Fulham fans, you know, Last few seasons, we've always liked to moan, oh, we were so close to winning, you know, especially against big six sides and away against big six sides. We always like to say, oh, how close we were, oh, well, we performed. Well, that doesn't show up on the table, you know, you don't get extra points for 
you know, for playing really well and getting so close to winning. So this is these are the times of games. It doesn't really it almost doesn't matter how well we perform as long as we get the three points. And I think that's a mindset, you know, as a fan base, we should start to get behind. And also, Fulham might have to grind out a few more of these wins if goals are in are harder to come by. And winning ugly, you know, with clean sheets, sort of gritty one nil wins. They may not be, it may not, might not be champagne football, but it sure does help starve off the threat of relegation. And it may even help get us higher up the table. Roy Hodgson didn't mind a 1-0 win and he didn't do too badly um, uh, uh, as a Fulham manager. So uh, perhaps we just need to be a little bit more accepting of the fact that it's not going to be sexy football every week, Oscar. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, we might be able to play that way in the Championship, but in the Prem we kind of need to be a bit more realist. We have to be realists. Yeah, and so just a quick word then on uh, Crystal Palace. We'll have a uh, a preview a little bit later this week. But um, how would you be looking towards that game? You've already talked about where you might um, shake things up up front. Would you be looking at other changes to the starting lineup? Obviously, uh, people come into it. I thought Bobby Deckard over Reed was excellent when he came on. Would Awobi get in your starting lineup? I know you were considering that last week. How how would you set things up for uh, for Saturday at Salah Park? All right, so I'd have Vinny up front for reasons that I've established earlier. Uh, I'd have... I, I still have faith in William, so I'll give him, even though it wasn't at his best against Luton, so I'll, I'd still start him and I'd have Wilson again, but mm, actually I say that I'd start Deckard over Reed. Actually, I've changed my answer. I'll start Jeff Deckard over Reed because he looked good. In he looked better. In place of William, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so we're yeah. working backwards. Does Pereira yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because Willian, I think, actually, now I think about it, has actually not been performing great last few games. And then you'd have Wilson and then you'd have Iwobi instead of Pereira, in my opinion. All right. Because um, Pereira looks a bit off it, as you said. Then you have Lukic is no. out. Well, if he, if he's still out injured, then yeah. But if he's not, then I'd if start. If he's able to walk, I know you'd pick him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about your yeah. back four? I'd have Tete Bassi. Uh, Tete Bassi. Sorry, my mind's um, Tete Bassi Diop Robinson. Not literally in that. Yeah, yeah, I've got you. And obviously, super burnt Leno in goal. Actually, no, I was thinking of going with Roddick. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Matt Roddick, but, you know, one of these days I'll or, take um, Bender. some of this nonsense you, you suggest. <laughs> um, right, let's uh, wrap things up by talking about some of the other things that happened. Um, so, a nice tribute to Mohamed Al Fayed with Karim Fayed, his son, uh, there on the. Uh, presenting a wreath, the chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, Simon Duke and David Daly. Um, no, it was not. The, it was lovely to have everyone else swirling a scarf in memory of Mohamed Al Fayed when that's what he used to do. Um, even if, unfortunately, some of the Luton fans couldn't keep quiet for all of the minutes' silence. Nice to uh, or Mohamed Al Fayed's. Uh, passing and to get the win for him because he was big on the winning and getting Fulham into the Premier League. Oscar, I know it's a bit before your time, but nobody can uh, 
can underestimate how important Mohamed Al Five was to Fulham. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, it was a bit more, a bit before my time, but obviously, you know, being a Fulham fan, I do know some stuff about it. I think, yeah, I, I said this in the last podcast as well. We wouldn't be where we are without Al Fayed and without what all he's done for the club. And you know, some people may criticise some things he did, but he's done a hundred times more from the club than you know the few things we say he did wrong. Mm. And you know, nowadays you do need to invest to uh, almost to stand still in in the top flight, and he he took Fulham there and he took Fulham home as well. Um, which is very important. I'd like to finish, if I may, uh, with a few shout-outs. Well done to Fulham's under-21s, who beat the Hounslow bus terminus second eleven six one 6-1 at Woking on Friday night. We love to see it. George Ockers scored twice before Callum McFarlane, Terrell Works, works. Callum Osmond with a uh, superb scissor kick. Check it out. And Ollie O'Neill completed the route. Um, if you're not doing anything tomorrow night, Hayden Mullins under 21s are at Leighton Orient in the Football League trophy. Uh, they'd love your support. Um, then Fulham's under 18s underline that there really is only one team in Fulham by winning the SW6 Derby 3 1 at Cobham on Saturday. Callum Hosman, having scored that scissor kick in stoppage time uh, the night before, headed Fulham in front after six minutes. Chibi Nwoko, the England under. Uh, 19 international scored an absolute screamer. You want to check that out on the Fulham website before the returning Aaron Lapala by uh, added the third in the second half. And to make it four wins out of four for all Fulham teams this weekend, Fulham FC women won 4 1 at Salt Dean on Sunday. Maddie Parsonson scored straight from a corner to give them the lead. Uh, a double, a brace from Georgia Heesman. And a debut goal for Mir Adaway sealed a third straight win for the Whites, who take on Millwall Lionesses at Motspur Park next Sunday afternoon. Uh, I don't remember the last time that all four Fulham sides won, uh, and so convincingly. Brilliant to uh, establish firmly, Oscar, that we are the finest team in West London. As And if you don't believe us, just look at the Premier League table. Um, well done to everybody. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Oscar, before we go? Because um, I'm going to steal your line. Come on, you whites. Come on, you whites, indeed. Um, thank you for all your messages and all, all, all your comments. Neither of us got the prediction right, as many people have pointed out. Um, we'll be back later this week. Thanks so much, Oscar. And come on, you whites. Let's have it, Fulham. <laughs>